Hi, I'm Perry, and you're listening to The Beauty Brains. Hello and welcome to The Beauty Brains, a show where real cosmetic chemists answer your beauty product questions and give you an insider's look at the cosmetic industry. This is episode 338. I'm your host, Perry Romanowski, and with me today is uh, no one. Uh, just a solo show today. Uh, Valerie was actually uh, out working, and I wanted to make sure we get a show out to you this week. So I had some questions uh, and some thoughts, so I would share those. On today's show, I'm going to answer some questions about whether drugstore products ruin your hair, whether eating collagen can boost your skin, if there's a way to improve the appearance of skin with large pores, and a bunch of other things that I will answer. Of course, this is a solo show, but we do have the next best thing to Valerie, and that's Virtual Valerie. How's it going, Virtual Val? Hi, Perry. And hey, Beauty Brains listeners. Wish I could be there this week, but I've got my steel-toed boots on in manufacturing on another time zone. Have fun with Perry and see you next week. Well, thanks for that, Valerie. We look forward to uh, talking with you next week. Clearly, I'm having a little too much fun with this artificially in, uh, created voices. And uh, <laughs> actually, some of the, the questions, I'll uh, rather than just have me talk all the time, I thought I could generate some new voices for questions that were actually sent in by readers. Uh, readers? By listeners, yeah. Our first question comes to us from Renata. What do you want to know, Renata? I use a lot of TikTok. I'm not particularly proud of it, but I see a lot of hair influencers say that if you use cheap drugstore products, you ruin your hair, that they can cause hair loss, dandruff, etc. I think it is all just fear-mongering, but what do you guys think? Is there something only expensive products can do to our hair? Love your show. You're always so kind. All right, Renata, I'm encouraged to see your skepticism here, and I have to agree with you. I think it is a lot of fear-mongering. I know it's hard to believe, and, and, you know, we have spoken about this a lot on the show, uh, whether the products that are really expensive are really better for you, whether drugstores are different than salons are different than spas or dermatological brands. The reality is, in the cosmetic industry, and, and I know it's going to be hard to believe, but we all have access to the same chemicals. There are certainly some patents, and the big companies typically will create patents that make it harder for other people to use molecules, but for the most part, as far as the performance of products go, there's no patent that's tying up a, a combination of ingredients so much that Another company couldn't easily knock it off with other technology. It's just very, very difficult in the cosmetic industry to make products that perform differently, or at least differently enough in a way that consumers are going to notice. You are much more influenced by things like the fragrance, the color, the packaging, and, of course, the marketing story. And so that brings us to the difference between drugstore products and the more expensive products. It really does come down to a marketing story. Um, if we talk about hair loss, um, 
it's it's hard to say that uh, hair products, any hair products, is causing hair loss. I know there have been some examples on the market that that got uh, vilified as causing hair loss. A lot of like I remember when conditioner. Um, uh, there's been a variety of them, that, and Olaplex I think recently was uh, accused of that, and I'm very skeptical of that. Uh, the ingredients that these brands are using are not significantly different than the ingredients that you find in other hair care products. And so when a brand gets accused of causing hair to fall out, often that is just a result of the brand being popular or the brand being unpopular or having shady business practices like making you sign up for a subscription and then not letting you get out of it. And with social media, you can certainly amplify your complaints and you can get it out in the world and it can get propagated throughout the world. I mean, before, when you would buy a product and you thought, ah, maybe this is making my hair fall out, you would tell your friends and your family and it would kind of end there. Maybe you would complain to the manufacturer and they would probably send you a coupon for a refund or, or send you a new product or something like that. But that would pretty much be the end of it. But today, if something's, if you think something's making your hair fall out, you go up on Instagram or TikTok or, or uh, any of the social media sites, and you put a a video about it. You, t- you tell people about it, and if it's entertaining enough or compelling enough, it gets shared and it gets propagated around the world, and then that sort of inspires other people to say, "Hey, you know what? I'm using that product," and that same thing's happening to me. And so then it just builds on itself even though you could be mistaken about the fact that that product is causing your hair to fall out or something like that. It could just be, you know, your, your hair falls out. I mean, you lose about 100 hairs a day, and it isn't necessarily caused by the products that you're using. It's just caused by entropy and, and timing and what hair naturally does. It, it just falls out naturally. So sometimes I think a lot of products get unfairly accused of causing hair loss because you use a product and then you see some hair coming out and you say, oh, it must have been the product. You know, it's probably more likely it was your hair was just ready to come out like that. All right. But anyway, back to drugstore products. Are they going to ruin your hair? No, they're not going to ruin your hair. The drugstore products are often made by the same companies that are making the salon products. Uh, L'Oreal owns a ton of drugstore brand products. Procter & Gamble owns also a ton of drugstore brand products, and both of those companies make salon products. I mean, L'Oreal makes like Matrix and Kerastase, and they make a ton of salon brands, and they make store brands, and they're using the same chemistry to do that. So the idea that a salon brand is using different chemicals than a store brand, it's it's just not true. So as far as the ingredients go, no, they're not going to negatively impact your hair. Feel free to use the drugstore ones. And in fact, I would dare say that the drugstore products, uh, there's a higher probability that you're going to like them more than the products that you might find at a salon. And that's for a couple of reasons. But one is, you know, it's less expensive. So that feels nice. But two, these products are tested on more consumers than salon brands. And when you're creating a shampoo or conditioner or, or a store brand or a drugstore brand product, you send it out to hundreds and thousands of people for pre-testing when you're formulating. And 
Lots of people try it, you get lots of feedback, and you optimize the product so the most number of people like it. So if you're looking for products that you're gonna like, your highest probability of finding something you like is gonna be something that you get at a drugstore and something that is less expensive because those products are made to be liked by the most number of people. So I would agree, yeah, it is just fear-mongering to say that cheap drugstore products are gonna ruin your hair. Now you might say, well, why are these hair influencers saying this stuff? And I will tell you because there's no money in telling people that cheap drugstore products are fine for their hair. It's, it doesn't garner you any attention. It does not garner you any money. And so there's really little incentive for a hair influencer to tell you that uh, a certain cheap product at the store is going to work perfectly fine. In fact, there's a lot of incentive for you not to do that. So, no, there is nothing that expensive products can do for your hair that the inexpensive stuff can't do. Now, there is differences in products, but the performance of a product, a hair product, is so such a personal thing. You have to just try it and find out what works for you. Just because something is expensive doesn't mean it's going to work better for you. Price, really, in the hair care area, price has very little to do with effectiveness. And uh, you just have to experiment and use products uh, that you feel good about. In in truth, you know, Suave and VO5, the, the 99 cent uh, products, you know, for most people, they're going to work perfectly fine. And as far as ruining your hair, no, it's not, it's not going to ruin your hair. Let's move on to our next question. This one comes to us from Rebecca. Hey, beauty brains. Does eating collagen boost collagen in your skin? We've gotten this question a few times about collagen and skin, whether it's boosting. And I have to tell you, um, maybe, maybe you've heard me rant about it, but I am not a fan of supplements. And there's a couple of reasons. First of all, there's little testing in this to demonstrate effectiveness. And if you just think about it, you know, of course you are what you eat, but you, what you eat goes through a digestive system. And so if you eat foods, like if you eat a lot of fish, you're, you're not turning into a fish. Your body will take the stuff from the fish and it'll go into the stomach and the stomach will break it down uh, and it'll take out the stuff that's useful for your body. And the rest of the stuff, it just shunts through the rest of your body. You don't turn into a fish because the fish proteins are broken down into individual amino acids, uh, peptides, smaller peptide change. And so they're just things, the way the digestive system works, whether you're eating something to improve your skin or not, is not going to improve your skin. Now, I will say, if you are deficient in some sort of vitamin or you're deficient in proteins or or whatever you need to build your body if you're malnourished certainly a supplement can help there and if you're in a new condition you're pregnant uh, or you have some sort of disease uh, and your body the nutrition of your body is off certainly supplements can uh, improve your parts of your body in that way. But as far as a specific thing where you want to know, is collagen going to smooth out your wrinkles, make your skin look better? No, it's not going to do that. Eating collagen will not do that. Now, maybe if you eat protein, you could do that. But 
Nobody does this study. Now, the people who will tell you that eating collagen can improve this, there's the logic goes like this. Well, your skin looks bad because your collagen and your elastin are breaking down. Now, collagen is a protein on the lower layers of your skin, which gives it the skin the, the firmness and the function, and it's, gives, it's a structure protein. And over time, that structure can break down, and when it breaks down, then you can, your body can be affected by gravity, and you get wrinkles and such. And uh, the idea is that, well, if you had more collagen or better collagen in your skin, then your skin would look better. Logically, it makes sense. The problem is when you eat collagen, say a collagen supplement, The collagen goes through your digestive system. It gets in your stomach, breaks onto some small peptide change. Okay, but it breaks down. It's no longer collagen. And those amino acids can be incorporated anywhere in your body for whatever your body needs to make proteins for for whatever. Blood plasma, eyelashes, hair, skin, muscle fibers, whatever. There's lots of things that you're, lots of proteins that your body makes. They just aren't specifically going to go to your skin. And so this eating collagen, is that going to boost your skin and improve your skin appearance? I don't think so. So that's the number one problem is that while logically it makes sense, increased collagen makes your skin look better. Logistically, it doesn't make sense at all. It goes against the whole notion of how the digestive system works. Now, if the digestive system worked where you ate some collagen, and then the collagen sort of got through your stomach and then into your blood, and then it somehow magically got incorporated into your skin, maybe there's something there. But it doesn't do that. That's not how digestion works. So unless someone can demonstrate to me how digestion works differently for supplements than it does for regular food, I'm going to say this is not going to be helpful. No matter really, and this is no matter what the studies are going to show, I mean, if there were enough studies and enough evidence, you could change my mind. But you're going to need a lot of evidence to demonstrate that the collagen you're eating stays as collagen and then goes, gets incorporated into your skin. There's just there's just very little to no evidence that that's the case. Okay, that's my first objection about supplements. My second objection, however, is even bigger one. In the United States, the supplement industry... It's just not regulated. The FDA ostensibly would be the organization in the government that would regulate supplements. But they passed a the thing called the Deshay Act, the Dietary and Supplement something or Act. Anyway, what this act did was said to the FDA that, okay, you can no longer set rules for the supplement industry and the supplement industry is responsible for uh, saying their products are safe and the FDA can't even check to ensure that they're safe. The only time the FDA can step in for anything with a supplement is if uh, people are being harmed. So that means that, you know, if you're buying collagen supplements, do you know if it's collagen in there? Maybe they didn't get a good price on their collagen and they could get a better price on I don't know, uh, flour or something like that, something that's not collagen, but it kind of looks like collagen, is cheaper. They could just do that, and there's no way you would know that. In fact, there have been numerous studies where people thought they were taking in supplements like ginkgo biloba or some sort of fish oils, and there weren't any of those in there, in the supplement. And 
there's no repercussions for that. That's you know, it 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 is illegal, but it's difficult to discover. And so this lack of regulations and the fact that it breaks the known system of digestion uh, makes me say that uh, no, I don't think sup- collagen supplements are going to help your skin. Eat a good diet, fruits and vegetables, uh, and then use uh, good moisturizers. And I think that's the best you can do. And of course, sunscreen. I think that's the best you can do for your skin. All right. It's just the one. I, w- I think Valerie would uh, be in agreement with me on that one. But uh, hey, maybe I'll ask her next time. Next question comes from Patricia. Take it away, Patricia. Hello, beauty brains. I want to know, is there a way to improve the appearance of skin with large pores which frequently get clogged? I should say that's thank you, virtual Patricia. Question about uh, the large pores that get clogged frequently. The easiest way to do this is to exfoliate your skin frequently. Uh, wash and exfoliate. Um, and that's that's really the only thing that I can think of that will do that. And using a you know a washcloth or a loofah or something like that, uh, as long as it's gentle enough for your skin, uh, it's going to help help better. Uh, you can do uh, chemical exfoliations, uh, your glycolic acids, uh, and you know some people enjoy the physical exfoliations, uh, but that might not be the best for everyone's skin. Uh, some people, the, the skin works perfectly fine, like a, a St. Ives apricot scrub. It, it works perfectly fine on my skin. But of course, that's like an anathema for people to say that. And it's again, it's very uh, a personal preference on products. And so if you're going to try to treat your large pores that get clogged frequently, you just have to wash more frequently, uh, wash them out, and hopefully that's effective. Next question comes from Deb. What's your question, Deb? Well, what's your question, virtual Deb? Hey, the Dropet device claims to deliver ingredients 20 times deeper into layers of skin. I just want to know, is this possible? Thanks so much. This is a, a pretty good question, I guess. I th- we've talked about the Drop It device before. I'll have to look it up and see which episode we did that in. But that was a few episodes back. And basically, it's this device that is supposed to... You, you put it on the surface of your skin, and it's supposed to push products deeper into your skin. Um, and they, according to them, I guess it's they say it's 20 times deeper into layers of the skin. So, first of all, I would have to say, I look at a claim like that, and I say, well, what do they mean by 20 times deeper? Like, how would you even prove that? And so, if I was putting together a test like this to support this claim, I would have to go like this. I'd say, okay, um, let's see where skin products normally go. Or, we'll just, I'll I'll take a lotion or something, I'll put it on the skin, and we'll see how deep does it go. Now, the way you measure uh, the depth of some ingredients going into your skin, uh, usually you might use something like tape stripping. So tape stripping is uh, you put the product on there, you let it absorb into the skin, and then once it's pretty much off the surface, then you start taking these strips of tape. Uh, They're called uh, desquam tapes, or at least that's one brand that we would use. And so then you would take the tape, and then you would rip off a layer of skin, and then you would measure, oh, is there product there or not? 
and then you do in the same spot you'd take another tape and you'd rip off the next layer and you'd keep successively ripping off these layers of skin uh, eventually you could rip off too much and as you're going to start getting down to the the lower levels of uh the 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 dermis or the epidermis and then you could start to bleed or something like that so you don't you don't usually go that deep but you can measure the penetration of of an ingredient into the skin that way now they're saying this goes 20 times deeper i don't know 20 times what so they're saying if you put the product on the surface it's going to go a certain depth and then if you use this product, it's going to go a certain other depth. It would be very difficult to measure. Certainly, you couldn't measure it through the the tape stripping method. It would be a lot harder because you're not going to get 20 times uh, tape stripping. But if you arbitrarily say it's uh, uh, like a measurement, uh, one skin layer is, I don't know, 10 microns or something like that. Um, you know, if it goes down to 200 microns deep, then, yeah, now it's 20 times. Okay, so anyway, there's some trickiness to to that. But, all right, let's say that maybe they do have some way of proving it, you know. Okay, even if they did go 20 times deeper, does it benefit the skin? I mean, it sounds like, okay, you make up this thing in your head that you get a claim like that. Oh, it's 20 times deeper. You just, you're like your gut impression is like oh well that must be better it's deeper must be better it gets into skin but that doesn't necessarily mean better if it's just 20 times deeper so if it's at one layer and it goes down to 20 layers well if there's 400 layers then it went one layer or 20 layers well it doesn't really matter even if it went down to 200 layers if there's 400 layers above it 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 does not matter so the question to yourself is, is 20 times, maybe it sounds impressive, but you say, it, does it really impact the skin? Does it really matter? And often the answer to these types of things is no, it, it doesn't really matter. And maybe it's not even true, but no, it, it probably doesn't even matter. So that you could push uh, uh, an ingredient 20 times deeper, it's still not getting to the lowest layers of the skin where it would have to go. Because if it, if it did that, they would make much stronger claims. Um, but they can't really make stronger claims because products are not allowed to be drugs, right? If you're a cosmetic, it's not allowed to interact with the biochemistry of the skin, at least in a, in a claimed way. And so they have to focus on gimmicks like, oh, saying it's 20 times deeper. Does it really, does it really help? Mm, I don't know. If some people like the Drop It device... I'm a little skeptical. Here's a question from Kimberly. What are your thoughts on at-home LED face masks? They're trending all over the internet. I purchased an FDA-approved version by MM Skincare to test it out. No results yet aside from dry skin. And I can't seem to wrap my mind around how this expensive device is beneficial. Thanks for that question, Virtual Kimberly. Okay, these at-home LED face masks... In truth, I think things like this are mostly gimmicks. The stuff that they have at the estheticians or dermatologists, certainly uh, face masks like that, you know, LED face masks that they can do can provide some benefit, I think. I'm I'm not really sure. Actually, I'm a little bit skeptical, but I do know that, you know, exposure to light can have actual impacts on your skin. So... 
I'm, I'm willing to grant that uh, the stuff that you do in the doctor's office can have an impact. Although, I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't. <laughs> so, uh, But, you know, the people tell me sometimes I'm a little too skeptical. But let's just say, uh, let's talk about the ones that you can get at home. Now, first of all, you said the product was FDA approved. Now, companies make that claim FDA approved, and they, they can't make it for cosmetics. Cosmetics are not FDA approved. But medical devices, which a, a product like this would be a medical device, medical devices are they can be FDA approved. In fact, they have to be FDA approved here in the United States anyway. But when something is FDA approved, that gives you the impression that well, it works the way it says it does. Well, this is just a mistake. That's not what FDA approved means. All FDA approved for medical devices means is that it is safe to use. It's not safe and effective. It's, it's safe to use. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's effective. So when a company says that their at-home LED face masks are FDA approved, what you're saying is, well, this will be safe to use. You're not going to you know, blind yourself, or uh, if you use it in the right way, you're not going to significantly harm your skin. But that does not mean that if you use it, you're going to get the benefits that they claim you're going to get from the products. And so you purchase the device, um, just to try it out, and uh, I, I would wonder how, how was your experience with it. Now I've seen some you know, YouTube dermatologists uh, go through and test out these at-home face masks, and I'm unimpressed. And I think you're going to be disappointed in the results. It's just very difficult to notice results. And what you're also going to do is you're going to still be using uh, topical creams and such, and your skin is still, over time, you just age, your skin is going to change over time. So even if these things were helping, it would be very difficult to see any significant difference. Unless you unless you're an anomaly, I don't think a device like this is going to be the panacea that you're hoping for. You're probably going to still be better just using moisturizers uh, and using a, a skin routine with, with a cleanser, moisturizer, occasional exfoliation, and of course using sunscreen. Uh, supplementing it with something like an LED face mask like this, I'm going to have a hard time believing that you're going to see a significant impact. And so... Uh, that's just my opinion. I'm sure people who have spent a lot of money on it uh, feel like they're getting more. There's a whole experiential thing that you go through when you're set up and you do this, but it also becomes uh, like a lifestyle thing. And are you really going to incorporate this face mask into your lifestyle like every day or once a week? I mean, what happens with these devices is you, you try them a few times, you like them or you don't like them, and then they, you just kind of fall out of the routine, and then they sit in, well, no, below your bathroom cabinet. You haven't done anything with them for a long time. I have this electric razor, and you know the electric razor, it, it works. I don't know why I don't use it every day, but I just forget I have it. So, you know, I just shave with the Bic or whatever in, in the shower. And uh, the device is just sitting there. I've had it for years. Uh, maybe I use it if, I, if I'm not going to take a shower at the moment and I need to shave. Uh, maybe I'll use it for that. But, you know, I, you just forget you have these devices. So unless you're going to incorporate it into your lifestyle, uh, you know, you, you probably aren't going to get a huge benefit uh, from that. And you're probably just 
leave it in the in the bathroom cabinet for eventually before you you know sell it at a garage sale sell it on etsy or throw it away that's just uh, what I probably think, uh, you know, you're going to continue to use skin lotions whether you have a device like this or not. So you might as well just stick with the skin lotion. All right, I think I've talked long enough by myself. We're going to have Valerie coming back uh, next time. Now, I do want to end this, though, with, with the notion that uh, maybe I'm too skeptical about beauty products. You see... I. My experience is that I make the products. You know, I know how to make the products. I have made the products. I've been involved in product development in both hair care and skincare products. And I can see how people interact with products, what it actually does to skin, how what they think it does to skin or hair. And that is sort of what drives me to my skeptical positions. And, you know, I'm just naturally skeptical. That's probably why I went into science. But what I think people don't really realize about products in general is that it's pretty hard to tell the subtle differences between products. You're much more influenced by what something smells like, the the stories that you're told, and people are always looking for something new, or not all people. A lot, of, a lot of people have their routine, it works for them, they stick with it, and they never change their entire life. But there are also people who, uh, they used to call them like suddenly seeking Susans or something our, our market research people did, or the trendy Trixies. And, and these were consumer groups who were always looking for a fix to whatever problem they had. And they would try products, and they just like to try products and and they were always unsatisfied or sometimes they'd be satisfied with the product and they just want to try something else which is great for brands because they they want new trial but it's also bad for brands because they uh, survive on repeat purchases so I've, i've heard it the complaint lodged at me in the past that i don't believe in anything i don't believe anything works and I think that is just uh, uh, sort of a straw man, or it's uh, it's a mistake of my position. I do believe things work. I do believe firmly that shampoos will clean your hair. Body washes will clean your skin. Skin moisturizers will make your skin look and feel better. And these are things that are worth using. Now, where I start to get lost a bit uh, and get a little skeptical a bit is when you start seeing people try to make differences between those if you're using a conditioner a a post shampoo conditioner i have to be honest with you the shampoo that you're using pretty much will not matter now i say that with caveats of course like something like an anti-dandruff shampoo that does treat dandruff that's a that's a drug and so yeah that will be different than a standard shampoo but if you're buying like a really expensive shampoo versus a drugstore brand shampoo, you're wasting your money because there's not a performance difference between those. They might feel different, like the foam might feel different, and uh, if you didn't use a conditioner afterwards, your hair might feel different from one or the other. But if you use a shampoo and then a conditioner, the shampoo that you use just does not matter at all. Doesn't, it doesn't matter because the, the effects you get from a conditioner just completely overwhelm it. And I can only say this because I've tested shampoos, I've tested <laughs> conditioners, I've done this test hundreds of times, on, on thousands of times. Jeez, I've done this <laughs> lots of times on, on hundreds of different prototypes. And 
that's just what you find. Now, when you add in, you know, how much money you spend on something and the brand story and the positioning, I can see people will start to see differences in in their mind. It, you can't really be differences that they see that we could test in a lab or whatever. But beauty products are so much involved with how they make you feel and the brand story is about that. So while from a chemistry standpoint and from a performance standpoint, I can demonstrate to you that there are no differences between certain things. That does not mean that you won't experience differences. If you spend $200 on a skin lotion, you're going to notice differences that are different than if you used exactly the same formula, but you only spent $2 on it. Our just brains are wired that way. And this is why I'm skeptical of a lot of the active ingredients that get talked about. Because even the best anti-aging ingredients, which is prescription strength tretinoin, most people who use it don't notice any differences, don't actually get any benefits or report benefits. And so it does work for a lot of people, but for a lot more people, it doesn't work. And when you put in a comparison to just a standard moisturizer, using a good moisturizer, uh, it gets even harder to see differences. And so while I see that products, there is a difference between products, or there can be, for the most part, if you're using a cleanser, if you're using a moisturizer, the active ingredients that are in it, you know, those are just the stories that brands use to get you to buy products. (laughs) Now, of course, uh, Valerie might have a, a different perspective, but she's much more a product user than I am, and she, rightfully so, allows herself to be more influenced by the stories that go on in the beauty industry. I'm much less influenced by these stories, and uh, you know, but I'm a terrible beauty product consumer. I, I can tell you what works, why it works, uh, whether it's different, uh, but. Ultimately, beauty product use is, it's an experience that you do. Not only are you looking for performance, but you're looking for an experience. You're looking for products that make you feel better. And science uh, and chemistry can't tell you about whether a product is going to make you feel better. We can tell you what percentage moisturizer you get. uh, But for most people, that's not really why they use beauty products. All right, I guess I've rambled enough today, and uh, I thank you all so much for listening and for supporting the show. And incidentally, if you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash thebeautybrains and subscribe at any level. Uh, There you can get also a transcript of the show, which is uh, something that we don't just give out to everybody. Uh, And you also, as a patron, you get your questions uh, answered in a higher priority and the next one, I know we had talked about uh, doing a Hexa resourcenal question, but I was going to wait for uh, Valerie to get back next week, so we'll answer that question next week. Meanwhile, I'm going to have to go uh, feed some cats because uh, you know, the porch kitties had more kitties, and uh, you know it never ends. But you got to catch them and, and spay or neuter them, so there aren't more kittens. But boy, kittens are certainly cute. <laughs> all right, that's all enough for rambling for me. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, we are on various social media accounts. You know what? I'm just going to play a recording of that. Valerie and I doing that. And so I will sign off here. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. If you get a chance, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. That's going to help other people find the show and ensure we have a full docket of beauty questions to answer. 
And if you have a question, just record it on your smartphone and email it to thebeautybrains at gmail.com. We do also appreciate the transcript of it in the email so we know what it says, but it's not really required. Don't forget to follow us on our various social media accounts. On Instagram, we're at thebeautybrains2018. On Twitter, we're at thebeautybrains. We have a Facebook page and a future TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> All right, TikTok. everybody. We got we to gotta get that account going. <laughs> We do. I, you know, maybe someday we'll get all of our accounts going. But oh, you know. my gosh. Yeah. Well, we're very busy go. people. We are. Thanks again for listening, everyone. And remember, be brainy about your beauty. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.